0: It's Friday, May the 6th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, bloody battles inside Azovstal steelworks and swooning markets. First, the world in brief. Quote, Heavy, bloody fighting between Russian and Ukrainian troops continued inside the Azovstal steelworks in Mariupol, according to the commander defending the site. Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, said civilians hiding in bunkers under the steelworks will need to be dug out by hand. The United Nations and the Red Cross are helping organize convoys out of the city, but some 200 people remain trapped. Ukraine will not launch a full counter-offensive against Russian troops until at least mid-June, according to Alexei Arestovich, the military advisor to Ukraine's presidency. Mr. Arestovich says his country is waiting for more Western weapons and that Russia is unlikely to make headway before then. Meanwhile, Alexander Lukashenko, the dictator president of Belarus and a close ally of President Vladimir Putin, said that Russia's invasion had, quote, dragged on, and called for an end to the quote, war. Russia has avoided that word. Wall Street suffered whiplash on Thursday, with the tech-heavy Nasdaq Composite down by nearly 5%, its steepest decline since June 2020. The S&P 500 fell by 3.6%, and the Dow Industrial Index by around 3%. Markets across Asia also slumped. The sell-off erased Wednesday's unexpected rally when investors took heart from dovish statements by the Federal Reserve, even as it raised rates by half a percentage point. Early results in local elections in England suggested that the ruling Conservatives had lost ground to opposition parties. The Tories have been damaged at the national level by scandal, including accusations that Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, broke Covid lockdown rules to party and a cost-of-living crisis. So far, the main beneficiary seems to be the Liberal Democrats, rather than Labour, the official opposition. The COVID-19 pandemic led to nearly 15 million excess deaths between 2020 and 2021, according to new estimates from the World Health Organization. Countries have officially reported just 5.4 million deaths, ...directly attributed to COVID-19. The WHO reckons around a third of deaths were in India... ...whose government has questioned the claims. The Economist's own model projects... ...there were about 18 million excess deaths... ...caused by COVID-19 in the same period. Suspected terrorists killed three people... ...and injured several more in the Israeli town of Elad. Two people, possibly wielding knives and an axe... Attacked passers-by in a park, local media reported. If confirmed as a terror incident, it could be the latest in a recent wave of attacks perpetrated by Palestinians and Israeli Arabs within the Jewish state. The Bank of England raised interest rates to 1% on Thursday, the highest level since 2009, and warned that Britain's economy is headed for a contraction. It also predicted that inflation will reach 10% by the end of this year. It blamed the rise partly on the war in Ukraine, which has jacked up energy and food prices, prompting some people to reduce spending. And fact of the day, two-thirds, the share of 10-year-old boys in the Middle East and North Africa who cannot read a simple story, compared with more than half of girls, according to the World Bank. And now, here's today's agenda. Russia holds court at the UN. When Russia hosts an informal meeting at the UN Security Council on Friday, it will seek to discuss such hot topics as Ukraine's fighters turning to, quote, medieval barbarism and the Western media's, quote, selective blindness. Such Security Council discussions, known as, quote, ARIA formula meetings, are common affairs designed to allow countries to discuss important things in private. But they are not often like the one Russia will host, where its representatives will spout unsubstantiated claims that Ukrainian forces are committing war crimes. For Russia, the point is to make as much noise as possible. Snippets from the meeting bearing the authority of the UN imprimatur can be distributed on social media, fueling Russia's information war yet the discussion could also portend something bigger. In the months leading up to its invasion, Russia hosted a series of similar informal UN meetings. It may now be laying the groundwork for another escalation, reckons Richard Gowan, a UN expert, culminating in a formal declaration of war. That could make it easier for Vladimir Putin to draft conscripts and take his invasion into a new phase. Odessa stands defiant. Russia might have hoped that Odessa would be the weak link in Ukraine's defences. Russian is the lingua franca in this diverse port city. For most of Odessa's residents, Russia's history and culture are an integral part of this former jewel in the Russian Empire. Yet the invaders have been met with defiance. Most Odessans consider the war a personal betrayal. Quote, Russian soldiers and officers must see that this is not a military operation, but a cynical, murderous, occupational war of punishment, with all the signs of fascism and Nazism, says Gennady Trakhanov, the mayor. Odessa has started to come back to life after the initial shock of war. Nonetheless, the port, which funnels Ukraine's grain to the world, is blockaded by the Russian navy, and Odessans know that Russia still yearns to capture the city, preferably intact. Russian ships have now disappeared from the horizon after the sinking of the Moskva, the flagship of the Black Sea Fleet. But the respite could be temporary. The edible oils market goes haywire. When Russian tanks rolled into Ukraine, crude oil markets reacted instantly. The war's impact on another set of oils, edible vegetable fats such as sunflower oil, of which Ukraine and Russia are the world's two biggest exporters, has taken longer to digest, but it is now causing heartburn. Sunflower oil exports from Ukraine and Russia have dried up, sending buyers scrambling for alternatives and driving up prices. The situation worsened on April 28th, when Indonesia banned exports of palm oil, The country is the world's largest seller of the stuff, which is used in everything from soap to cereal. Since the ban, futures for palm oil delivered in May have risen to over $1,700 per tonne, up 70% compared with the average price last year. Such soaring prices add to inflationary pressures on consumer goods manufacturers. Unilever, one such conglomerate, spent $2.7 billion on palm oil last year, around 15% of its total spending on commodities. And if higher prices hit companies like Unilever, shoppers could be next. New Rules for Workplace Spying As workers shifted from offices to homes during the pandemic, employers became addicted to spying on them. Demand for monitoring software rocketed, granting employers the ability to track keystrokes, access microphones, record video of users' screens and periodically snap photos through webcams. Although many workers have returned to the office, many jobs have gone hybrid. The monitoring tools have remained. Now, politicians are paying attention. Under a new law in New York, from Saturday, employers in the state's jurisdiction will be required to inform staff when their telephones, email or internet access is being electronically monitored. The Empire State will join Connecticut and Delaware in prohibiting such monitoring without disclosure, a practice otherwise broadly permitted under federal law. Lucky New Yorkers can thus revert to the pandemic dress code of pyjamas and sweatpants without fear of being unknowingly detected. Lebanon's Currency of Corruption A new currency is rolling out in Lebanon, but the government won't be printing it. In an act of artistic satire, the Lebanese Transparency Association, LTA, an anti-corruption NGO, is issuing a challenge to the government by printing mock banknotes. Lebanon's economy has been in freefall since 2019. The lira has lost 94% of its value and annual inflation is over 200%. Millions of American dollars deposited by citizens are frozen in banks, accessible only in local currency at ruinous exchange rates. These lost dollars are known colloquially as, quote, lollers or lol. The LTA is now printing physical lollers adorned with art by Tom Young, a Beirut based painter whose work focuses on Lebanon's crises and corruption. The 100 dollar bill depicts the mangled port of Beirut, blown apart by a huge explosion in 2020. The project could evolve into political action. On May 13th, the LTA will call on citizens to pay government bills in lollas. Two days later, voters go to the polls to elect a new government. The country's financial crisis will be weighing heavily on their minds. Daily Quiz Arboristas will serve you a new question each day. On Friday, your challenge is to give all five answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 5pm BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Friday What is the name for a bright red spicy curry sauce often served with writer? Thursday, what was the name of the short-lived republic that existed in the present-day Netherlands from 1795 to 1806? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Maria Montessori, who died on this day in 1952. The best instruction is that which uses the least words, sufficient for the task. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber...